Hey, this is Seth Allen. Welcome to my secret basketball podcast, Pepe Sanchez, episode 20. This is the unapologetic FIBA World Cup coverage that the world has been needing and sorely lacking. I am <clears throat> whispering because my wife is asleep, and if she wakes up from me doing this, uh, that will not be good for me. So I got to keep my voice down, but I can't keep my enthusiasm down, all right? Because the FIBA World Cup is starting. If you're listening to this, it's probably starting. I'm just hours away uh, from the kickoff game, which is going to be the Dominican Republic featuring Carl Anthony Towns, all right, versus the Philippines uh, featuring Jordan Clarkson. And they are playing this. Let me, I'm going to go through all the ways in which the FIBA World Cup is amazing. First of all, every major NBA outlet I've been listening to FIBA previews for does this weird thing where they kind of apologize for it. They're like, well, sorry. You know it's August, so uh, get the Dame trade and the James Harden trade. We don't got much else to talk about, so uh, I guess we're going to spend some time talking about FIBA. First of all, fuck you guys. There's nothing I respect least than a basketball, a quote-unquote basketball fan who is only fan a fan of a certain mode or expression of the game, all right? You don't love basketball, all right? You only watch one league. Maybe you these people, if you tell me you only watch the NBA, congratulations on being a casual. That must have been really great for you when you discovered the NBA in college, and now you write for ESPN, all right? You fucking casual. You know what I mean? Because if you just love the game, you got to love the game. And the, the FIBA World Cup is an amazing event for a bunch of reasons. There is nothing to apologize for. I will not apologize. But I will keep my voice down. All right. Let me tell you this. Okay, first of all, let's start with the settings, the Philippines. This is perfect. The Philippines loves, motherfucking loves basketball. All right. You remember when that book was going around about the Philippines playing basketball? I didn't plan to bring it up. I can't remember. I read it. But the point is, <laughs> motherfuckers love basketball. All right. They love it. You know, a lot of, you know, uh, former pros go over there famously. Um, okay. Don't tr- take my word for it. Some of these games, like this kickoff game against the Dominican Republic where they're playing the Philippines, that's in a stadium that seats 55,000 motherfucking people. Okay. There are not very many countries in the world that will fill a stadium with 55,000 people to watch a basketball game, okay? And honestly, this might be it. The Philippines, they love basketball. It's going to be an incredible game, all right? And I first uh, uncovered this. I was reading the game book again. I don't remember what it's called. That's stupid. I shouldn't have have brought up. But I also um, stumbled across the Philippines love of basketball because I watch uh, FIBA three-on-three tournaments and if you are a real a real sicko and you log in to watch these games live on YouTube like I do you can't help but notice that all the comments are dominated by Filipinos all right it's all Tagalog they're all going off they know all the players like the Philippines loves basketball so there's no better place in the world all right. It's like a whole country of pep 
Dante Sanchez podcast potential listeners. All right. An amazing place, an amazing setting. All right. Second of all, all these games are going to be on ESPN Plus on demand. Don't worry about the time zones. All right. Watch them on your schedule. I see I'm, I'm a few hours away as I record this from from Dominican Republic, you know, from the kickoff game in front of 55,000 people. Um, you know, I got to work in the morning, but you know what? I'm going to watch it on demand. So you can watch it on your schedule. I'm going to fill up my whole Saturdays and Sundays watching these games. It's going to be amazing. And also, if you really care about spoilers, it's pretty easy to avoid spoilers for an event that's like not as mainstream as this, right? So it's totally easy, all right? It's another reason to watch it. Uh, I checked. There are 57 current NBA players in this tournament, you know, 57 current NBA players. You know, the NBA has about 450-ish players, so over 10% of the NBA is in this tournament. Um, If you add in the 44 former NBA players, we got a total of 101 NBA players, right? 101 Dalmatians, 101 NBA players in this tournament. The level of play is fucking high. Another little benefit I get from this is just putting on a random game and seeing who the traders are, you know? <laughs> who are the funniest FIBA traders? An American who suddenly plays for a different team. We'll call it the Pujetter Ukrainian Award <laughs> of FIBA, you know? Uh, and this one, some ones I want you to pay attention to because I think they're noteworthy are, first of all, Rondé Hollis Jefferson for is playing for Team Jordan, all right? Former Blazers legend Rondé Hollis Jefferson, RHJ, is playing for Jordan. You gotta check it out. All right. Another one that I think is even better, maybe an all timer really, is Nick Fazekas is playing for Japan. <laughs> if that doesn't put joy in your heart, your heart is fucking dead. All right. Okay. Let's see Nick Fazekas' age. What is your guess for uh, how old? Nick Fazekas is? The answer is 38. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, famous Japanese American Nick Fazekas <laughs> from the University of Nevada, Reno. <laughs> that fucking rules. Man, that is so fun. I also, I really like, um, sometimes you forget about a, a guy and then you know, you just pop him on, you see him, like, I got that with Thomas Walkup for Greece, because he was so fun at SF Austin when they made that deep tournament run, he's, like, a very interesting, fun-to-watch, uh, unusual player, as, like, a physical, defensive point guard who's really good at passing, but also slow, but also a brilliant defensive genius, but also can't shoot, so, like, there's not a place in the NBA for him, so that is so cool to see him, you know, bringing the ball down for Greece. You know, the man loves tzatziki. <laughs> the man, you know, loves democracy. He loves geometry. Uh, you know, Aristotle, let's go. All right, great for SF Austin. Great for Greece. All right. Um, I do also, I want, I want to give a quick shout out too. Um, of all the coverage I've seen of like, who are the sleepers? Who are the favorites? First of all, let's talk about this. Big sleeper energy, Finland. Okay, they have okay their star, of course, Larry Markinen, and now 
he had a breakout season in the NBA last year, of course, right? Most improved, all-star. But what you need to know about Lowry is what prepared him for that leap was playing for Team Finland in the in the European tournament the previous summer where he was the motherfucking man, okay? Just like we've seen with uh, a lot of players who played for Team USA and then come back to the NBA and make a leap, you know, because they've been involved in this different kind of competition. They're in great shape coming into the season. Fucking Laurie Markkinen is going to be one of the best players in this tournament because Lowry, obviously, he's proven himself in the NBA last season, but he, on his FIBA, Lowry is even better, all right? And this is what I like to describe. He has a phenomenon of what I like to, to describe as FIBA berserker mode, all right? A lot of players are better in FIBA. They play harder when they're playing for their country than they do in the NBA. And the way, the anecdote I like to describe this is, think of Nicholas Batum, who has said he's going to retire after the upcoming Olympics. Congratulations, Nick. Great career. But a very chill player in the NBA, right? Very calm, very laid back, very smooth. Hey, just Nick Batum, hey, we're just having fun here. We're all living a great life. You know, we're all French. Well, let's just play a nice game, and then let's just go drink a cappuccino and drink four bottles of red wine, and then let's go play another game, you know? FIBA Nick Batum punched a man in the balls, okay? That's FIBA Nick, but that's the FIBA effect. These guys go into FIBA berserker mode, and that is a huge wild card factor that is so amazing to watch, all right? Even, I mean, Damian Lillard had some quote about when he was played in the Olympics about how, you know, a lot of these guys are so different than they are in the NBA. I think he was talking about Fournier, maybe. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a wild card factor, and it's so fun to watch, like, these guys locked in with their talent, as hard as they can play with more opportunity because they get the ball all the time, right? Amazing to watch. All right. A second thing I love about this tournament, a reason to watch it, is the referee chaos. Fever refs, huge wild cards. You have no idea what's going to happen. I do like generally um, how they call the game in FIBA, which is, you know, generally you can't grab as much. You can't grab, of course, like the NBA, but you can use your body more. You can hit people with your chest. You can bump to your heart's delight. And that's one of the reasons why Team USA finally had to admit they got to stop bringing little dudes, all right? Trey Young was not invited to this team, all right? And he never will be because they have just learned if you are a even Dame, FIBA Dame was not as good as NBA Dame. And the reason is these small stature guys who rely a lot on drawing fouls, you know, to kind of make up for their size, it doesn't work in FIBA. They kind of let you body slam guys. <laughs> They're, the players tend to be bigger, all right? You can be more physical. They don't call as many fouls. It's not as the refereeing, although all over the board, is in general not as tilted towards the offense, all right? Um, you know, you can, you can plant a big guy under the hoop and not worry about defensive three seconds, all right? So you can have a guy, so like a guy like Gobert can just stand under the hoop and motherfucking wait for you, all right? So that kind of takes a lot of things away, all right? It's, a, it's very different in that sense, all right? Now, here's something else that I haven't heard a point made as much in the, in the 
coverage leading up to this is the reason more players seem to care about this FIBA than previous FIBA uh, World Cups maybe is everyone wants to go to the Paris Olympics right every team every player Paris 2024 is going to be the shit it's going to be the shit all right everyone wants to be that you want to be a Paris baby you know but here's the thing so this tournament 32 teams qualified all right for the Paris Olympics only 12 teams get to go to that 12 teams in the fucking world only 12 teams get to go to the Olympics all right so the bar is very high the stakes are very high it's gonna be a big cool ass Olympics all right um, and then if you think about it uh, one 12 okay 12 spots in the Olympics one spot auto bid to the hosting country so France boom they're there no matter how they do between now and then France is in all right okay you give another spot to and then so hang with me here but the other 11 spots are not just determined straight up by how well teams do between now and then they are also determined by what region a team is in so you have to be the best team in your region to go to the Olympics right or like one of the top two if you're from a bigger region so okay so you have 12 spots one of them is earmarked for France okay another one is basically earmarked marked for Australia because they are in the Oceania region so Oceania gets to send a team and that's basically like they just got to beat New Zealand which I don't know if you've checked the respective rosters like Australia is filled with NBA players so Australia is more or less an auto bid to the Olympics oh my god now suddenly we're down to 10 spots okay the Americas get to send two teams one of those teams is going to be Team USA that's just is what it is you know what I mean they're gonna qualify so another the second spot from the Americas almost like very surely is going to be team canada you know shea is running their team uh rj barrett kelly olenic fiba kelly olenic that's a motherfucking berserker mode guy right there he is a different guy in fiba he is a problem all right he has been in the past all right so now suddenly we're down to single digit spots that are really up for grabs all right europe only gets to send two all right Asia one, Africa one. All right, it is motherfucking hard to get into this Olympics that everybody wants to be in, and one of this is the big chance the FIBA World Cup doing well here can get you there. All right, and it's not necessarily it's not going to seal up all the spots because there are some other tournaments like it was in the news because the uh, the team Bahamas just won a tournament in Argent in Argentina, which is incredible that they won that. Um, in the Bahamas have Eric Gordon, Buddy Heald, DeAndre Ayton, all right, so they have to win their way back through smaller tournaments, so there's some of those spots are earmarked for that as well, so that's something to watch too, but the teams want to lock up their Paris bid in the FIBA World Cup if they can't, the teams that are there, all right, so that's fucking amazing, and now let's think about this, okay. The favorites at the FIBA World Cup. It's 
it's Team USA's to lose. All right. I think Team USA has gotten a lot smarter about how they do this. They fix a lot of problems. Uh, one of them seems to be they're not going to do a thing where they bring in a bunch of guys for tryouts and have cuts anymore and have rivalries and bad blood within a team and awkwardness. They don't do that. This was invite only. They talked to every person about, we think this is going to be the role that you'll play. They were realistic. And all the reports have been, obviously, they're 4-0 on their, on their friendly warm-ups. All the reports are that this team gets along great, very talented. And as many, as, as many NBA players as there are in this tournament, nobody, no team matches Team USA's talent overall. It's not even close. It is fucking not even close. And if you want to think about NBA, you know, historically, guys from Team USA... A lot of times come back to the NBA, make a leap. All right, we've seen that before. So it's looking like from the four warm-up games, the reports you hear that those people so far, Anthony Edwards, obviously, um, Austin Reeves, you know. But I think there's going to be some surprises too uh, in this. You know, you're going to see, you know, Brandon Ingram has been pretty quiet, and he might just pop up, you know, uh, in in these games. Um, but... The Team USA is the favorite, but it would not be a huge upset if they lost. They have a couple weaknesses that they've shown. One of them is no international experience really on this roster at this level of international play. <coughs> they don't have it. All right. And the, these warm-up games are not the same as, you know, a FIBA, like a FIBA World Cup game necessarily. All right, where the refs might be against you, it might be in, a, in front of fifty thousand people. It's gonna be weird. All right, uh, the rules, the rules are a little funky. You know, the Americans never really take advantage of the rules because you know they've been trained their whole lives like to not touch the ball when it's on the rim, things like that. And in FIBA, you can smack the fucking ball off the rim, things like that. All right, so that's one thing going against them. One head one. Another one, maybe even more real their lack of size they, they have two things related to that lack of size and a lack of elite rebounding there is not really a lot of great rebounders on this team all right they start jaron jackson jr who is a great defender rim protector versatile mediocre rebounder all right and he's their center all right jaron jackson also fucking fouls a lot and in FIBA, you only get five fouls. So you, you could vary if, you're, if you've watched international basketball before. I think it's not too hard to visualize a scenario where, you know, they're matched up against a tough team. Calls aren't going their way. Maybe they're missing a lot of shots. Maybe the, uh, the dreaded lemon booty shows up. Jaron Jackson suddenly three fouls. He's out in the first half, you know. And then Steve Kerr has been really into using Palo... Bancaro as his backup center. Palo is great, but Palo and four guards <coughs> very vulnerable. Vulnerable on the glass, vulnerable to size, uh, just defensively vulnerable. Now, they their whole plan, Team USA's plan, is to just beat the brakes off of everyone. And that very well could happen. But let's talk through some stiff competition here. You have the big three, the big Euro three, all right? Spain, France, Germany. 
either of these teams winning the gold would not be super surprising. All right, it would be an upset to beat Team USA. Oh, another thing for Team USA, they have an easy path to get there. All right, their group is whack. They're set up. Their path is set up. <coughs> and Spain, although um, you know they don't have like the pow kind of pow and Marcusol like star power that you know you might have you might remember when they've you know given Team USA a run for the money in the past. But they have you know ton a ton of their guys have have been in the NBA. They just won the European tournament. They are, it is one of the situations with Spain where <coughs> the star is the team, all right? They will, they could beat the USA, all right? They do have the size and the versatility and the experience. That wouldn't be huge, a huge upset, all right? It would be a surprise, but not, I would, I don't know if I'd even call it an upset, you know, because they are that good, all right? France also, of course, just stocked with NBA guys, um, you know, up and down the roster. Gobert greatly benefits from the defensive rules where he can basically camp under the rim and be like a soccer goalie. So it's like, okay, beat these guys, you know, these long wings, they have Fournier, Batum, and then Batum is literally just standing there waiting to challenge you. All right. (coughs) Wild. All right. Germany, insane, dude. Germany is. This is this is. I'm, I, I think I might put Germany as my number two in this FIBA World Cup because Dennis Schroeder, first of all, is a classic FIBA berserker mode player. He's way more aggressive. He has the ball way more. He gave Team USA problems in their warm-up game. He is a annoying badass fucking dude all right whereas in in the nba he's just kind of an annoying dude in fiba he's an annoying badass dude all right franz wagner somehow flying under the radar that he plays for team germany out of the but the both the wagner brothers tice (coughs) bonga dude this team it has the size and athleticism and the experience they could take Team USA. All right. I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's probable, but I think it's very, very possible. All right. So this shit, if you don't have ESPN Plus, <clears throat> do a free trial. All right. If you need to sign up, uh, do the $9.99 a month or whatever the shit, you know, do that stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, Team USA, I would maybe say was... Um, there would maybe be more of a threat if some of the elite Euros were playing, but like Jokic is out, Giannis is out, so that makes their path a little easier. Um, a big <laughs> sleeper is Slovenia, okay? And it's weird to call a team with <laughs> with <laughs> with Luka Doncic a sleeper, but you know when you look at your, their team, you won't see a lot of names that you recognize after Luka. Or probably any, uh, but Luca is enough to win any individual game, and especially in FIBA, um, he is like f- you should watch FIBA Luca because the le- just the level of control and the the threat that he is every time, 
just seems to be heightened even more. You know, he's won at extremely high levels, obviously, in Europe. The whole team is, there's no question. You know, they just, it's Luca and the best people they can find who play the best with Luca. And that gives them a chance to win any game. You know, just like Luca is so hard to beat in the postseason, um, FIBA is a lot like that. All right, so if Slovenia has that chance, uh, for sure. Um, if you want to talk format, like it seems kind of confusing, I think, if you don't know, but it's really not. So there's 32 teams, all right? And remember, only 12 get to the Olympics, and not all 12 of the spots are actually available. So we got 32 teams. Uh, first in the first round they're in groups of four top two teams advance from each group then they get reseeded into new groups top two teams advance from that group and then we enter an eight team single elimination tournament <clears throat> to find the winner now I, honestly the USA's group I haven't even let me let me see it was like laughable it's the USA uh, Jordan you know I believe <laughs> Jordan featuring is that the one with Rondé? Yes, yes. So they got to beat Rondé, Hollis Jefferson's Jordanian team, um, New Zealand, and Greece without Giannis. So that's a that's an easy layup unless something really goes wrong. They're going to get through that group super easy. So I would encourage you in the early rounds, you know, you're going to be hyped. You want to see what all the fuss has been about, about, you know, Anthony Edwards and Jalen Brunson and uh, Austin Reeves, you know, and all these guys. But, you know, I would encourage you to check out some of the wackier groups. Um, get it while you can, you know. Um, a really great group is uh, Group E, which has, listen to this, Germany, who I talked about. Uh, Australia, who is another team who is jam-packed with NBA stars, uh, young and old. Finland, who I talked about, is a sleeper, all right? And then Japan, home of the great Japanese basketball player Nick Fazekas. Uh, that is a hotly, hotly competitive group. Um, you would think if you're just looking at it, you know, Germany and Australia go through. But man, I'm telling you, I believe in Finland. Susi Genji, as they call it, the wolf pack. That's right. That's right. I, I said it. Susi Genji, the wolf pack. Uh, apparently there's a story where their players were fighting each other in a hotel lobby. Hell yeah. They're ready. All right. They're ready to go fight some Germans. <laughs> some Aussies. Some, some Japanese Nick Fazekases. You know, so this is just going to be an incredible tournament. I can't wait. You know, I got a, you know, I got an early to late day at work. So my whole plan is just motherfucking Friday night, Saturday morning, just firing up the ESPN Plus app, catching up on all of this shit. Uh, It's going to be so fucking amazing. I'm so excited. Uh, I really encourage you to check it out. Uh, It's really fun. It's really fun. Let me see if I missed anything in the notes. I think this was actually... uh, I don't know if this was the best 
FIBA World Cup coverage preview thing, but I know it was the most unapologetic. And I will not apologize, as I said, I will not apologize for loving something that's awesome. But also, I will not raise my voice because my wife needs her sleep. All right, thank you for listening. Hey, Seth, on all platforms. FIBA.